You can't fix what you can't measure is a bit of a corporate term, but it applies to many things. Earlier this week, the BC government introduced first-of-its-kind legislation in an attempt to dismantle, quote, systemic racism and discrimination faced by Indigenous, Black, and people of colour in this province. It's called the Anti-Racism Data Act. What it does is it will provide a tool to ensure that all the data collected will help identify gaps in programs and services, uh, the province has said. It's based on one of the largest public consultations in BC history. Of course, the province has been facing growing pressure to act on systemic racism within the healthcare system and the policing system in particular. Well, the Office of the Human Rights Commissioner in BC was set up in 2019 to address the root causes of inequality, discrimination, and injustice here. Kasari Govender is British Columbia's first independent human rights commissioner, and I have the pleasure of having her join me now. Kasari Govender, thank you so much for joining the show tonight. Thank you for having me. For for listeners who may not be familiar with with the all the history behind this, it really started from somewhere where you you really can't improve what you can't measure, or you can't even address what you can't measure, and there was a real data gap here. I understand. There is, and in fact, I mean, I think there really continues to be a big data gap. Although, what one of the things that's interesting about this work of collecting data is that it often reinforces what many people already know from their own experience. Right. Uh, but I guess the, the difficulty then is if you were to try and change policy based on experience, but without the data, it becomes difficult. It becomes anecdotal, and that's always difficult to address. Exactly. So this takes it from, from the anecdotal, um, from the lived experience, and hopefully reflects that lived experience in hard numbers, in statistics that can then be used by policymakers to change laws, policies, government services, and so on. Tell me a bit about desegregated demographic data, because I think it's, it's somewhat self-explanatory, but it may not be completely clear what exactly it is and what its value is. Yeah, it, it, it is a term that I think can throw people off when I think it's actually something many of us are really familiar with. So it's, you know, what's based on the kinds of things when we all fill out forms and the form says, you know, what's your sex? What's your, uh, you know, what's your age? You're filling out demographic data. Now, if that data is put together and completely lumped together without any differentiation, so we don't determine who's what ages are people are, that's called aggregate data. Mm-hmm. If we disaggregate and say, okay, this many people using this government service, for example, are between 24 and, and 35, then we've disaggregated and understand how, again, in this example, how a government service is used by different groups of people. So it's, it's getting to that level of understanding. I should apologize. Disaggregated, not desegregated. That was my my typo uh, in my own notes. But thank you for the explanation. How will this be used? I mean, the, the gathering of the data, I guess, is the first part. So how will that be done? Um, so some of that is still to be determined. Um, the legislation is in part based on a, a series of recommendations that my office made in the context of a report that we wrote in September of 2020 or released in September of 2020. That was written in response to the premier of, of British Columbia asking me for advice about how to collect this data and how to do it well. So in that um, in that, in that report, we addressed addressed how um, just the, those questions, how to collect it and how to do it well, but in how to do it well, how to do it without perpetrating further harm. So sometimes when we collect data, it might create stereotypes or reinforce stereotypes that we already have. And the way that we recommended countering that is to put control of the data in the hands of those whose data it is. 
So a First Nation, for example, when when the government's collecting data on the on the people who belong to that nation, they should be ensuring that they're following the direction of the nation and how they use that data. And so that was a long-winded way to answer your question, which is really about, um, it, it really is to say that some of these details are still to be determined because those need to be determined in deep consultation, in meaningful consultation with the communities who are most affected. I think sometimes we think data is blind, but it's not. No, I think that's right. I think um, both we think that uh, how public policies are applied is is sort of colorblind or race blind um, and data itself can be. So I think what what the information can reveal to us are problems that maybe we didn't know that we had or certainly policymakers maybe didn't know that we have. Um, so I'll give you an example. Uh, we you know, this is actually isn't demographic yet. I'll give you an example that's just about data. You know, we know, for example, that between 2019 and 2020, overall crime rates across Canada, according to stats, can went down nearly 10%. But hate crimes, reported hate incidents, went up by 37%. So if we just look at overall crime rates, we may say, wow, we're doing really well. But if we then disaggregate that, if we understand how to break that down a bit and understand the details there, we can see, wow, we've got a real problem in this area. So that's the kind of problem that we're trying to reveal with this data. Because I understand Ottawa, I mean, StatsCan already collects some of the data, and this would be complementary to that data, would allow you to have a better idea of how that StatsCan data breaks down. Is that the fact? Is that how it works? Yeah, so the StatsCan data will reveal what's happening in the general population. And then what this legislation allows for is and facilitates is for government to collect data about how people are interacting with, with government, with government services or policies or laws. So, for example, if we know um, that uh, it's only by knowing the StatsCan data on how many Indigenous men are in BC or in Vancouver, that when we find out that 17 that we we look at how many arrests of of indigenous men there are in Vancouver and then we compare that to their population their presence in the population it's then we can find out for example that indigenous men are over 17 times more likely to be arrested in Vancouver than their pop, their presence in the population would predict so it's by comparing the disaggregated demographic data that will be collected under this legislation to statistics canada data that the inequalities can be revealed Within the report that you delivered to the Premier when asked, and, and as well in this legislation, uh, where, what are some of the areas that, 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 are, that are concerns that you would like to know a lot more about in terms of finding out the numbers? I think um, healthcare is a, is a really important area. The government highlighted in its announcement that uh, it was doing this work in part in response to a report that was written by Mary Ellen Trapelafond here in BC called uh, In Plain Sight. And it was a very revealing report about the experiences of Indigenous people in the healthcare system and the very high numbers of people who reported discrimination in that system uh, when they tried to access healthcare. Now, what we would like to know and will help us solve more of the problem is to understand what are the health outcomes related to that. So that's, those are some of the statistics that we can collect. Uh, healthcare is, I think, a really important one. Policing also, I mean, you mentioned policing in your example. Um, I, I gather at this point in time, policing is, it, how is policing going to be brought into this? Right now, the data is, the legislation is focused on collecting data within core government and uh, policing will will come 
will be covered later on is how I understand uh, them to be rolling out this process. I'm keen for that to happen uh, as soon as it can. I think it's really an important, incredibly important area of focus. Uh, another piece of work that we've done uh, in the last year is we released a, a significant report on on it five police forces here in BC and, and some of the ways that the data broke down to show how systemic racism is operating in those systems. Again, the results are, are uh, pretty deeply disturbing in that context, but we'd like to know much, much more about how what the data is and, and be able to have that publicly accessible so that it's transparent um, and accountable for the, to the public. You mentioned earlier about how data can sometimes be used in a negative way to reinforce stereotypes. What is your concern there and how do you prevent it? Um, Yeah, I think it is a real danger. And it's certainly something that the communities that we consulted with in our report and then government consulted with in preparing this legislation, they really highlighted this problem. Uh, There were some examples of that have been some examples of that during COVID where uh, a First Nation, for example, revealed or it was revealed that COVID numbers were going up in that community. And then there was an immediate backlash uh, from from the non-Indigenous community around them, uh, people being shut out of stores and not being able to access services and so on. And so um, the solution to that, I think, is really about who controls the data who is able to make some really key decisions about it, uh, whether it should be collected in the first place, and then how it's disclosed and used. I'm speaking with Kisara Govender, the British Columbia's first human rights commissioner. We're talking about uh, legislation earlier this week introduced. The BC government has introduced the first of its kind legislation in an attempt to dismantle systemic racism and discrimination. The Anti-Racism Data Act will provide a tool to ensure all the data collected will help identify gaps in programs and services, the province has said. After this, we'll talk about a very interesting concept called the grandmother perspective, uh, something I want to ask you about, Kisara, because you brought it up before. Um, and it really sort of goes to the heart of what using this data to its best might look like. And that's coming up after this. I'm speaking with Kasari Govender, British Columbia's first human rights commissioner. Uh, we're speaking about uh, legislation introduced earlier this week by the BC government, the Anti-Racism Data Act, uh, which is meant to provide more information to help the province and its policies uh, dismantle systemic racism and discrimination in the province. The need of the data, it will inform the policies to help get us there. Um, Kasari, one of the things you mentioned in an op-ed that you wrote for the Globe and Mail, a very interesting piece, was the idea of the grandmother perspective to data collection. And I wonder if you could expand on that, because it really is an interesting way of looking at data collection. Yeah, it was a perspective that was gifted to us by Gwen Phillips, who's a First Nations um, a data governance uh, advocate. And she spoke to us about collecting data in from the from the perspective that a grandmother would collect information about her family or a matriarch would protect collect information about her family um, rather than government collecting data from a big brother perspective and when that idea was first explained to myself and to our team at BCOHRC it was really a light bulb moment this is how we overcome the kind of harm that data can cause and but but also live up to the potential of what data can do for us in, in moving the needle on systemic discrimination. And how does it work? Because the, the, the title says it all. You know, I, I think you mentioned it in the op-ed about sort of, you know, the, the, the pencil marks on the wall to measure height and so forth. But it's, it's sort of data meant to inform in a way that helps. 
Exactly. So how do we implement this uh, conceptual framework? Well, we do it through through making sure that policy or rather that data is being collected for the purpose of addressing addressing systemic inequalities. And so first starting with, are we collecting this information for that reason? And if we're not, then we we shouldn't be invading people's privacy and potentially causing harm to them or to their communities. So that's the starting point. Um, if If we have identified, yes, it would be useful to understand how this government service or policy or practice affects different people differently, and then we can then develop better policy on that basis. Okay, let's collect it, but let's ensure we're asking the questions in ways that make sense for people. You won't be asked at every service to fill out the same demographic forms. That information will be used and stored in a way that it can be applied across government services. And I understand that that was at the urging of of community about uh, how to really alleviate some of this big big brother mentality of government. Um, And so once that data is collected, then to to actually use it for the purpose it was collected, which is to address systemic inequality and only to release it when that's in the best interest of community as identified by community members. So the legislation sets up a couple of important mechanisms for our accountability. One is a consultation process to seek the consent of Indigenous communities. And the other is to set up a kind of community committee that will provide guidance to the government about what are research priorities, what data directives should be put in place, and how should this data be used. This is the first of its kind. Have you been getting a lot of interest from other jurisdictions looking to see where this is going, how this might work? I imagine there's a lot of different places that are be interested in in finding ways to collect the same data. You know, it, it has been fascinating to see the response um, to the certainly the report that we did, and then I think the government process as they unrolled it. Uh, we. I never thought the data would gain such traction in the public. It seems like, you know, who really cares about the word data? But suddenly we had a huge amount of interest. I think community organizations, individuals, government agencies could all see how this could really make a difference, how this lack of information, for example, over COVID really impeded our ability to understand what are the problems we're facing as a society and how do we address them? Well, I I mean, I imagine you would like to see this is not really your writ, but you would like to see other jurisdictions adopt similar approaches to collecting this data. It would be helpful to know what this looks like across the country, I suspect. Absolutely. And uh, there are some interesting questions to resolve there, I think, about if data is being collected in a way that accords with community wishes, we need to also make a certain level of that data consistent enough that we can understand trends across jurisdictions as well. So I think that's an outstanding question that we'll have to resolve, uh, that the Canadian government will probably have to resolve as uh, this kind of trickles up across, across provinces and territories and then up to the federal government as well. A last question for you. Uh, the announcement of data collection is just the beginning. The data has to be used. What What is the next step now? What are we looking for in terms of progress here? Um, I think this is such an important step, and I really do want to take the time to, to celebrate it. It's 
so many communities have pushed so hard for this um, and it's been decades in the making. Um, and so it's important, I think, to pause and have that celebration. And it's also important to know that this is a tool. This is not an end in and of itself. It's a tool to address systemic inequalities, in this case, particularly systemic racism. And we need to ensure that it's actually used to create good policy. Um, and that it's used in a, in a way that looks at different aspects of our identities and how they interact. So not just race on its own and racism on its own, but how does that interact with gender inequalities? And what can we see when we overlay that data over each other? Can we see, for example, um, how why we have such high numbers of Indigenous women who've gone missing and murdered, not just Indigenous people generally, and not just women generally, but Indigenous women in particular. We need to overlay this data in order to understand the problems better, again, to create better public policy to address them. Sarah Govender, thank you so much for your time tonight. Thank you.